Chapter 11 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Fast. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. A Stormy Night. When Toby awoke it was nearly dark, and the bustle around him told very plainly that the time for departure was near at hand. He rubbed his eyes just enough to make sure that he was thoroughly awake, and then jumped down from his rather lofty bed and ran around to the door of the cage to assure himself that Mr. Stubbs was safe. This done, his preparations for the journey were made. Now Toby noticed that each one of the drivers was clad in rubber clothing, and, after listening for a moment, he learned the cause of their waterproof garments. It was raining very hard, and Toby thought with dismay of the long ride that he would have to take on top of the monkey's cage, with no protection whatever save that afforded by his ordinary clothes. While he was standing by the side of the wagon, wondering how he should get along, old Ben came in. The water was pouring from his clothes in little rivulets, and he afforded most unmistakable evidence of the damp state of the weather. "'It's a nasty night, my boy,' said the old driver, in much the same cheery tone that he would have used had he been informing Toby that it was a beautiful moonlight evening. "'I guess I'll get wet,' said Toby ruefully, as he looked up at the lofty seat which he was to occupy." "'Bless me,' said Ben, as if the thought had just come to him. "'It won't do for you to ride outside on a night like this. "'You wait here, and I'll see what I can do for you.' The old man hurried off to the other end of the tent, and almost before Toby thought he had time to go as far as the ring, he returned. "'It's all right,' he said, and this time in a gruff voice, as if he were announcing some misfortune. "'You're to ride in the women's wagon. Come with me.' Toby followed without a question, though he was wholly at a loss to understand what the women's wagon was, for he had never seen anything that looked like one. He soon learned, however, when old Ben stopped in front, or rather at the end, of a long covered wagon that looked like an omnibus, except that it was considerably longer and the seats inside were divided by arms, padded, to make them comfortable to lean against. "'Here's the boy,' said Ben, as he lifted Toby up on the step, gave him a gentle push to intimate that he was to get inside, and then left him." As Toby stepped inside, he saw that the wagon was nearly full of women and children, and fearing lest he should take a seat that belonged to someone else, he stood in the middle of the wagon, not knowing what to do. "'Why don't you sit down, little boy?' asked one of the ladies, after Toby had remained standing nearly five minutes, and the wagon was about to start. "'Well,' said Toby, with some hesitation, as he looked around at the two or three empty seats that remained, "'I didn't want to get in anybody's place, and I didn't know where to sit.' "'Come right here,' said the lady, as she pointed to a seat by the side of a little girl who did not look any older than Toby. "'The lady who usually occupies that seat will not be here tonight, and you can have it.' "'Thank you, ma'am,' said Toby, as he sat timidly down on the edge of the seat, hardly daring to sit back comfortably and feeling very awkward, meanwhile, but congratulating himself on being thus protected from the pouring rain. 
The wagon started, and as each one talked with her neighbor, Toby felt a most dismal sense of loneliness and almost wished that he was riding on the monkey cart with Ben, where he could have someone to talk with. He gradually pushed himself back into a more comfortable position, and had then the opportunity to have seen more plainly the young girl who rode by his side. She was quite as young as Toby and small of her age, but there was an old look about her face that made the boy think of her as being an old woman cut down to fit children's clothes. Toby had looked at her so earnestly that she observed him and asked, What is your name? Toby Tyler. What do you do in the circus? Sell candy for Mr. Lord. Oh, I thought you were a new member of the company. Toby knew by the tone of her voice that he had fallen considerably in her estimation by not being one of the performers, and it was some little time before he ventured to speak, and then he asked timidly, What do you do? I ride one of the horses with my mother. Are you the little girl that comes out with the lady and four horses? asked Toby, in awe that he should be conversing with so famous a person. Yes, I am. Don't I do it nicely? Why, you're a perfect little, little fairy! exclaimed Toby, after hesitating for a moment to find some word that would exactly express his idea. This praise seemed to please the young lady, and in a short time the two became very good friends, even if Toby did not occupy a more exalted position than that of Candy Seller. She had learned from him all about the accident to the monkey cage and about Mr. Stubbs, and in return had told him that her name was Ella Mason, though on the bill she was called Mademoiselle Jeannette. For a long time the two children sat talking to each other, and then Mademoiselle Jeannette curled herself up on the seat with her head in her mother's lap and went to sleep. Toby had resolved to keep awake and watch her, for he was struck with admiration at her face. But sleep got the better of him in less than five minutes after he had made the resolution, and he sat bolt upright, with his little round head nodding and bobbing until it seemed almost certain that he would shake it off. When Toby awoke, the wagon was drawn up by the side of the road. The sun was shining brightly, preparations were being made for the entree into town, and the harsh voice of Mr. Job Lord was shouting his name in a tone that boded no good for t poor Toby when he should make his appearance. Toby would have hesitated before meeting his angry employer, but that he knew it would only make matters worse for him when he did show himself, and he mentally braced himself for the trouble which he knew was coming. The little girl whose acquaintance he had made the night previous was still sleeping, and, wishing to say good-bye to her in some way without awakening her, he stooped down and gently kissed the skirt of her dress. Then he went on to meet his master. Mr. Lord was thoroughly enraged when Toby left the wagon and saw the boy just as he stepped to the ground. The angry man gave a quick glance around to make sure that none of Toby's friends were in sight, and then caught him by the coat collar and commenced to whip him severely with the small rubber cane that he usually carried. Mr. Job Lord lifted the poor boy entirely clear of the ground, and each blow that he struck could be heard almost the entire length of the circus train. "'You've been making so many acquaintances here that you hain't willing to do any work,' he said savagely, as he redoubled the force of his blows. "'Oh, please stop! Please stop!' shrieked the poor boy in his agony. "'I will do everything you tell me if you won't strike me again!' 
This piteous appeal seemed to have no effect on the cruel man, and he continued to whip the boy, despite his cries and entreaties, until his arm fairly ached from the exertion, and Toby's body was crossed and recrossed with the livid marks of the cane. "'Now let's see whether you'll tend to your work or not,' said the man as he flung Toby from him, with such force that the boy staggered, reeled, and nearly fell into the little brook that flowed by the roadside. "'I'll make you understand that all the friends you've whined around in this show can't save you from a lickin' when I get ready to give you one. Now go and do your work that ought to have been done an hour ago.' Mr. Lord walked away with the proud consciousness of a man who has achieved a great victory, and Toby was limping painfully along toward the cart that was used in conveying Mr. Lord's stock and trade, when he felt a tiny hand slip into his, and he heard a childish voice say, "'Don't cry, Toby. Sometime, when I get big enough, I'll make Mr. Lord sorry he whipped you as he did, and I'm big enough now to tell him just what kind of man I think he is.' Looking around, Toby saw his little acquaintance of the evening previous, and he tried to force back the big tears that were rolling down his cheeks as he said, in a voice choked with grief, "'You're awful good, and I don't mind the lickin' when you say you're sorry for me. I suppose I deserve it for running away from Uncle Dan'l.' "'Did it hurt you much?' she asked feelingly. "'It did when he was doing it,' replied Toby manfully. "'But it don't a bit now that you've come.' "'Then I'll go and talk to that, Mr. Lord, and I'll come and see you again after we get into town,' said the little miss, and she hurried away to tell the candy vendor what she thought of him. That day, as on all others since he had been with the circus, Toby went to his work with a heavy heart, and time and time again did he count the money which he had been given by the kind-hearted strangers to see whether he had enough to warrant his attempt to run away.' three dollars and twenty-five cents was the total amount of his treasure and large as that sum appeared to him he could not satisfy himself that he had sufficient to enable him to get back to the home which he had so wickedly left whenever he thought of his home of the uncle daniel who had in charity cared for him a motherless fatherless boy and of returning to it with not even as much right as the prodigal son of whom he had heard uncle daniel tell his heart sunk within him and he doubted whether he would be allowed to remain even if he should be so fortunate as to ever reach guilford again the day passed so far as toby was concerned very much as had the others he could not satisfy either of his employers try as hard as he might but, as usual, he met with two or three kindly disposed people, who added to the fund that he was accumulating for his second venture of running away by little gifts of money, each of which gladdened his heart and made his trouble a trifle less hard to bear. During the entire week he was thus equally fortunate. Each day added something to his fund, and each night it seemed to Toby that he was one day nearer the freedom for which he so ardently longed. The skeleton, the fat lady, old Ben, the albino children, little Ella, and even the sword-swallower all gave him a kindly word as they passed him when he was at his work, or saw him as the preparations for the grand entree were being made. The time had passed slowly to Toby, and yet Sunday came again, as Sundays always come, and on this day old Ben hunted him up made him wash his face and hands until they fairly shone from very cleanliness, and then took him to church. 
Toby was surprised to find that it was really a pleasant thing to be able to go to the church after being deprived of it, and was more light-hearted than he had been since he left Guilford when he returned to the tent at noon. The skeleton had invited him to another dinner-party, but Toby had declined the invitation, agreeing to present himself in time for supper instead. He hardly cared to go through the ordeal of another state dinner, and besides, he wanted to go off to the woods with the old monkey, where he could enjoy the silence of the forest which seemed like a friend to him, because it reminded him of home. Taking the monkey with him as usual, he inquired the nearest way to a grove, and, without waiting for dinner, started off for an afternoon's quiet enjoyment. End of chapter 11 Recording by Diana Fast, St. Charles, Missouri